freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 110, nice even round number, of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona, and I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. You know, before we start, I just want to say what a beautiful day it is today. How blessed we are to live in Arizona. That is really, really true. It's It keeps trying to inch up into the triple digits already, but uh, it's it's been hovering down into the low 90s, <laughs> which to us, we kind of consider that cool here in, in the Phoenix area. Well, today's theme is obstacles or launch pads, and I think I'm going to see what you have to say about that all right so obstacles easy for me to say obstacles and launch pads when you encounter problems and obstacles are you energized by them or do they tend to serve as redirecting walls in the maze of life i think most of us have approached obstacles and reacted to them in both of these ways. But which reaction has made the greatest impact on your life and the lives of those around you? I would hazard a guess that it is the times when we have used obstacles as launch pads to propel our lives to new heights that have truly defined us. I recently read a book, I know, I begin a lot of my sentences that way, but reading is an important and powerful way to expand our minds. It has been said that leaders are readers and vice versa. Reading allows us to step into the experience of others and to pull ourselves out of our daily routine and consider how others do life and have done life. And now with audiobooks so available, it allows us to read or listen to more books faster than we ever could have before. So I did recently read a book called The Obstacle is the Way, The Timeless Art of Turning Trials into Triumphs by Ryan Holiday. This book is full of inspiring stories of when people encountered seemingly insurmountable circumstances Situations that would shut many of us down and cause us to throw up our hands and defeat and say, Uncle, I quit. But the author has chronicled the times when success was earned and lives were changed in ways that would never have been possible if it weren't for a journey through the impossible. I read a lot of biographies and historical nonfiction for this exact reason. Books of this kind take us through events in a person's life from the side of the obstacle that appears to be unscalable to the side where the ultimate outcome is either success or failure. And in my opinion, the best biographies allow us to see both the times when a person fell short and when they succeeded. After all, a safe, unchallenged life would make for a pretty dull book. So while it is important to be able to see that we all try and fail and try and succeed, the secret ingredients in the process are where the treasure lies. What was it about this person or that? What unique circumstances or character traits caused a person to face down an obstacle and reimagine it as a launch pad? There's so much we can learn when we look backward at the lives of those who were forward thinkers. Those of us who value and seek to protect and preserve our Second Amendment rights face new obstacles each and every day. 
The politicians selfishly try to build their careers by stepping on our rights. The banks attempt to choke off the access to financial resources to firearms manufacturers and retailers. Hollywood entertainers speak nonsense into our ears, attempting to change the culture of our nation to vilify guns. Neighbors and coworkers shame us by arrogantly preaching bumper sticker wisdom that they heard on what used to be the nightly news, but now is more like a gossip mill. And high school students lecture us about how they, in their infinite wisdom, will fundamentally transform the Constitution, which the vast majority of them have never even read. These are our obstacles and our launch pads. These are our opportunities to begin a new conversation, to inspire others to think differently and learn for themselves we are who future generations will look to in order to gain new insight into how we turned our trials into triumphs. We will show what ground we can gain when we consider our struggles in a historical perspective and view our difficulties as blessings. We can redirect our energies from asking why to enacting how. And in doing so, we can inspire all those little eyes and hearts of our children and our children's children to show them how they too can turn obstacles into launch pads. Dan? Well, that's very interesting. And I uh, kind of went back 33 years to um, the 987 obstacles that we had oh gosh right all the different yes. businesses <clears throat> all the different starts and stops right and you know you can look back and say man some of those are really re really hated mm -hmm. but they all made us stronger mm -hmm. every single one of them made us stronger and kind of either put us on the path to better or get away from the problem by going a different path absolutely but absolutely they it's did like help and that's kind of the trick is when do you continue to press through and when do you realize, oh, maybe I need to go under this thing or to the right of this thing or, you know, over this thing. Right. So it's uh, but to just stay in the fight, I think, is so much a part of that that lesson. But we have some amazing guests today. Who do we have coming on? Right. Our first hour, we have Martha McSally. Congresswoman Martha McSally represents Arizona's 2nd con Congressional District in the United States House of Representatives. She, ser she serves on the Armed Services and Homeland Security Committee. The Congressman also chairs the Border and Maritime Security Subcommittee, the first Arizona and first freshman legislature, legislator ever to give this leadership role. While she is currently a Congresswoman, she is running for Senate seat being vacated by Senator Jeff Flake and is here to talk to us about the topics that are important to her voters, to her voters. Mm -hmm. Rhonda Izell, the president and co-founder of Chicago Guns Matter, Rhonda was the lead plaintiff in Izell versus City of Chicago. She won two federal lawsuits against the City of Chicago to bring gun ranges to the city for law-abiding citizens. She is a gun rights advocate and a defender of liberty. She turned her obstacles into a launch pad. Indeed she did. Stefan Josie. In, in 2013, Stefan was arrested and convicted of a felony in New Jersey and faced 10 years in prison. His crime? Carrying a legally owned firearm. Today, Stefan, who was ultimately pardoned by Governor Chris Christie, is graduating with a nearly 4.0 average from the Maryland Police Academy and with his associate's degree in criminal justice. He turned obstacles into a launch pad. Mm-hmm. In a big way. Hour two, we have Tyler Izagari. Tyler is an organizer behind nationwide tour to celebrate the behind a nationwide tour to celebrate the tenth anniversary of Heller versus DC that ends with a rally and banquet dinner on Tuesday, May twenty sixth in Washington, DC. Ten years to the date of the decision. Mm -hmm. Dick Heller who we are celebrating, turned his obstacles into launch pads for generations of Americans to come. That, that is, is a major thing. It really is, and I'm so excited to be able to be a part of that. I've been asked to speak at the rally, 
And, uh, you know, to be there on, in such a historical, uh, during such a historical moment and speaking in front of the Supreme Court building in our nation's capital, I mean, bucket list item right there. I didn't even know that could be in my bucket. But now that it's going to be, I'm I'm just beyond uh, honored. To and I get to, to go, too, to carry her stuff. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, go on. We have one more guest. <laughs> Well, it's kind of true, isn't it? Well, it's an bit. important, I need you. Yeah. I need you we also, there. <laughs> I know I'm excited about going to. We also have John Lott, the nation's most respected expert on guns and author of a number of books, including More Guns, Less Crime, and his latest, The War on Guns, Arming Yourself Against Gun Control Lies. John Works gives those who, of us who are protecting our Second Amendment rights a solid foundation for sound research, and that man can come up with some numbers. He really um, is, I mean, he's just on top of it, and he doesn't have a horse in the in the race. He's not a gun uh, uh, rights advocate per se. He is a statistician. Right, and his numbers are accurate, too. Though. That's the scary thing. Well, They're real. The thing that really tells you how right on he is is how hated he is by the rights restrictors. So that, that kind of, you know, you look at that meter and you go, hmm, yeah, he's probably onto something here because they cannot stand him. He's too calm of a person mm. for anyone not to like him. I agree with that. So we also on this show have our responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's commentary. Um. I think it's going to be calm today. You know, you usually do a pretty good job of keeping it calm. I'm like the weather. You're never going to be able to predict me, Cheryl. <laughs> well, here in Arizona, we can predict the weather pretty Not good. Me, though. All right. Well, we've uh, got an amazing lineup of people. I hope that you'll stick around for every minute of it. But I also want to take just a second and say that this show, we are a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Find out more and check out all of the great content at selfdefenseradio.net. And we also want to say hello to all the folks in Yuma, Arizona, because we've just recently been picked up by KBLU, 560 AM in Yuma, Arizona. And uh, so I, I just want to say hello to everybody. I know that y'all listen to Dave Ramsey there, and he's on the same station, and he endorses us with our Pot of Gold Estate Auction and our azfirearms.com brand. And so um, just a little hello and a shout-out. So stick around. On the other side of these messages, we have Representative Martha McSally. She's a congresswoman who represents Arizona's 2nd Congressional District in the United States. House of Representatives. Stick around. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knoll Town Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. Hi folks, I'm Don Carter. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. 
azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop and you should make it yours too welcome back to gun freedom radio where we engage we educate and we inform we are sponsored by azfirearms.com the biggest little gun shop in arizona and we are so excited to be looking at ahead at the list of amazing guests that we have coming on today. Our first guest is uh, Martha McSally. Now, Martha McSally is currently a congresswoman who represents Arizona's 2nd Congressional District in the United States House of Representatives. She serves on the Armed Services and Homeland Security Committees. These, this congresswoman also chairs the Border and Maritime Security Subcommittee. She's the first Arizonan and the first freshman legislator ever given this leadership role. While she is currently a congresswoman, she is running for the Senate seat being vacated by Senator Jeff Flake. And she is, uh, we're just now connecting with her on the phone. The joys of a, a live broadcast, right? Uh, where the, the phone lines sometimes are, are they, they really are our biggest asset and sometimes our most frustrating uh, liability is, you know, the, the technology involved. But I think we do have her now. And we will be bringing her to the air. As I was saying, she is currently a congresswoman and running for uh, a Senate seat, though, being vacated by Senator Jeff Flake. And she's here to talk with us about the topics that are important to her constituents. Welcome to the show, Congresswoman. Hey, Cheryl. Thanks for having me on. Sorry we're a little delayed. We were dealing with some uh, Democrat shenanigans, calling some votes on the floor, (laughs) which is is redundant, I guess, uh, sometimes around here. But... uh, Anyway, thanks for your patience. No problem at all. It all worked out beautifully. And, you know, between, uh, you know, real life happening around you, trying to, you know, serve the country and serve our state, and sometimes us with our, you know, phone shenanigans that happen, (laughs) it's always a, you know, we're just juggling over here going, hey, maybe it's all going to come together. And it did. So, (laughs) yes, exactly. It all worked out beautifully. So, um, I think the the top question to help explain, and I am never going to be able to do it well, so I just want to ask you, so you are currently a congresswoman, and that yeah. that is one uh, arm of the government, right? You yep. You are seeking a seat in a different arm of the government, and that is the Senate. So just give yeah. us a, a quick uh, lesson in how all of that functions and why why your shift? What are you moving to? Sure. Well, for just a little bit of my background before I answer that, I served sure. 26 years in uniform, uh, fought for our country. I was an A-10 Warthog pilot, deployed six times to the Middle East and Afghanistan, um, and uh, 325 combat hours, and retired as a, a full colonel uh, after those 26 years. And it, part of our uh, you know, culture in the military is we don't walk by a problem. And when you feel frustrated about something, you have to be willing to step up and do something about it. So that's why I stepped up initially uh, to run for the House. I found myself yelling at the television, wondering <laughs> what those guys were doing in D.C. And uh, and just really felt the call to duty that I had to do my part, you know, to make a difference. So it took a long time. I ultimately won by 167 votes in 2014 uh, in the closest race in the country. But I've been now serving. This is my second term. So I've I've been here just a little bit of time. Uh, this place is definitely its own uh, own environment. It's uh, more frustrating than some of the places I've been deployed to. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you, you know, we we've uh, the house is the people's house. You know, there's 435 of us. We're the closest to the people. We get reelected every two years. We're supposed to, by the founding fathers' design, be the passion of the people and the hmm. closest to what's on the people's minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Senate, the des- description that's been given to me is the house is like a hot cup of coffee spilling over and the senate <laughs> on the other side of the capitol was supposed to be the saucer that sort of catches the coffee and you know before it spills and you know stains your floor huh. uh, and there was supposed to be a more deliberative body there was supposed to be more consensus oriented they're elected every six years they're supposed to be more looking at the big picture that was the intent but what i will tell you is i'd worked for senator john kyle as a legislative fellow when i was active duty in the military I have tremendous respect for him. He's a great example, you know, for our country and our state. 
Uh, but what has happened over the last years, and especially since President Trump got elected, it started under Harry Reid for sure, but especially under President Trump now, the Democrats have been uh, obstructing literally everything mm -hmm. over the Senate. So mm -hmm. we say the Senate is where bills go to die, right? Mm -hmm. Like we send really good legislation over there, and they, for a variety of different reasons, are not able to move some of it forward. And um, you just look at the there's a, there's about close to 150 appellate court justices positions that are open. These are lifetime positions. Uh, it's the it's the role of the, the the president to nominate people, and it's the role of the Senate to confirm them as long as they're qualified. They don't have to agree to, with them. It's just are they qualified? And the Democrats are dragging out these votes, and they're obstructing, and they're delaying. Uh, and at, at, you know, at this rate, it's going to take years. It's going to take, someone said, almost 10 years to confirm all the appointments of the Trump administration just for the you know, sub-cabinet positions. Mm. This is ridiculous. So Crazy. I want to go over to the Senate uh, because there's a lot that needs to get done, and I think we need somebody with my fighting spirit and mm -hmm. my background uh, and, and my record of serving and sacrificing for our country mm -hmm. in order to kind of light a fire over there uh, so that we can push some of our hard priorities forward to you know, keep the country going in the right direction here and to protect our freedoms and our way of life. Wow, that was uh, really well said. And I uh, forgot to thank you for your service. Holy cow. Absolutely. You have really Absolutely. given of yourself to our nation, <laughs> and, and I really appreciate that. So I loved your analogy. I'd never heard that before, that the house is a hot cup of coffee bubbling over, so lots of activity yeah. and passion. And, and then the Senate is like, you know, just kind of like, all right, let's catch these drops. Let's not, uh, you know, let's get them all ordered mm -hmm. and... That is very interesting. I'd never thought of it that way before. Yeah, you know, the problem, though, is that, you know, we've passed over 500, I think 550 bills or so. This Congress, like since President Trump was uh, sworn in, this Congress, so a year and a half, uh, and about like over 450 of them are just lingering over in the Senate. Mm -hmm. Now, some of these are like really deeply divided issues. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them shouldn't be, but the Democrats make them divisive issues. Some mm -hmm. of them we have like sincerely held different views, uh, you know, on the issues. But we've, you know, you got you because of their rules, you need 60 votes in the Senate to procedurally move to a substantive vote, and they have weaponized that. Uh, even if they disagree on the substance, they've weaponized delaying and blocking legislation. Mm -hmm. But some of this legislation that we pass in the House is like unanimous legislation that is still lingering over in the Senate and just dying over there. So something definitely needs to change. It really does. And, you know, how frustrating for the people that have hired, basically, the, mm -hmm. our representatives to be there to do our work, to, you know, yeah. take something that everybody said, yes, this is good, or to take a judge that there's no reason to say no to, right? Right. And just right. keep just putting molasses into the, the clockworks. Right. It's right, so they're just trying to run out the clock. So there, for example, this is a little wonky, but there's some rules that the Senate is considering when it comes to some of these uh, appointments and nominations that are going to pass. Like they, it's not a question of whether they're going to pass or not. When they do the final uh, cloture vote to stop debate, the Democrats are still demanding to use the entire final 30 hours of debate, even though they're not actually using it up. They're just taking up the calendar is what they're doing and dragging it out so no other work or no other appointments can get done. And so I think they need to be sticking around. They shouldn't be uh, taking weekends. They shouldn't be taking uh, recesses. They shouldn't be taking August. If they're going to do that, let's make it painful for them yeah. uh, to obstruct. Again, this started with Harry Reid, uh, mm -hmm. but Chuck Schumer has, has mastered it as well. Mm. And uh, he's, he's just throwing sand into the gears of uh, you know, President Trump's agenda and his, under the Constitution, his right to be able to appoint judges uh, you know, and and to fill his sub cabinet positions so that we can get the federal bureaucracy, you know, going in the right direction. I, I, I will say, though, given all those obstacles, uh, the Senate last year confirmed a record number of appellate judges for life than any other president in their first year in office in wow. history. And so this is generational impact. We're seeing this, you know, activist judiciary. Uh, we see it all the time. Them infringing on our rights or uh, reinterpreting legislation beyond their, you know, constitutional role. And the fact that this administration has been able to, under this obstructionism, still push through this record number of appellate judges on these appellate circuit courts, which is really where a lot of the key decisions are made, because the Supreme Court doesn't take everything up, 
and for a generation, uh, these people will be serving is a pretty big deal. Wow, that I'm. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And you know, sometimes you know we sit back here, and all we hear is the you know the tiny little surface level bit that we can get through the what used to be the nightly nightly news. Can't even really right. call it that anymore. But you know, so often we don't get to understand and appreciate the the successes that are going on. Um, mm-hmm. So that's incredible. Well, and, and, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no I was just going to say, in this environment, especially <laughs> with the <laughs> resistance and the hysteria over President Trump yeah. being duly elected as the president of the United States, and the mainstream media's hysteria and distractions uh, related to that. Uh, it's difficult to get that message through of the positive things that are actually happening, right? So I just true. mentioned the judges. You know, we were able to do the first tax cuts as Ronald Reagan. We're rolling back Obama-era regulations, billions of dollars of positive impact our economy. The unemployment is the you know, lowest we've seen in 17 years. Uh, we're rebuilding our military. Uh, we're, you know, protecting our constitutional rights. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're moving forward despite the obstructionism on securing our border and enforcing our laws. And this is all just in the first 16 months of this administration, despite the obstacles. Uh, and a lot of people are seeing the positives, but you got to get through the noise that's out there of the mainstream media and how it's uh, trying to distract people. So true. So we're about to wind down on on our time, but I want to be sure that, um, you know, we're we're leaving folks with an idea of not only that you've you've had some serious accomplishments during your time in office, but as you are running for this new position for this new office in Congress, can you tell folks, you know, one or two key things that you just really are passionate about getting enacted or, or causing to happen on behalf of your constituents? Absolutely. Well, look, it's an honor to represent Southern Arizona. I hope to be able to represent all of Arizona next year. We have so much at stake. And as one of the few veterans in Congress and the only female veteran in the GOP in the House, I believe it's my responsibility to make sure that I am leading on the issues of providing our military with everything they need to keep us safe, taking care of our men and women in uniform, uh, keeping our country safe so that we can protect our freedoms. There's so many threats that are out there. And They're complex threats, but my background is on national security and the military and veterans, and so I am going to be the leading advocate on all that. I also represent a border district, and I hope to represent a border state. I chair the Border Security Subcommittee. So real border security that stops these transnational criminal organizations coming into our communities. These are public safety issues. It's impacting the opioid abuse and, and overdoses. It's impacting the gang presence. You name it. Uh, we have got to have uh, strong border security to include the border wall and everything that it takes in order to keep us safe. And then I have put my life on the line to defend our freedoms and our way of life. I'm very passionate about it. I raised my right hand, took the same oath of office to support and defend the Constitution in the military, same oath of office that I took as a member of Congress. Uh, so I, I see this as my continuation of my service. Again, I was willing to put my life on the line. I did put my life on the line for them. I actually put my career on the line to defend our constitutional rights. I know your listeners care about the Second Amendment. We've got to protect our right to bear arms. It's under assault. And all of our other constitutional rights that are just constantly under assault. And we need strong leaders and fighters that are going to stand up based on what the truth is to protect these things that are the foundation of our way of life in our country. Uh, and again, I've shown with my life that I'm willing to, to even die if needed to uh, for, the, for this cause. And I'm, uh, I'm going to continue to serve and fight over in the, in the Senate for that. Excellent. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know our, our schedules were awkward to fit together, but it this was yeah. so, so good. Thank you for making this happen. Thanks and, a lot, Cheryl. And p- Please tell folks just real fast how they can reach out, learn more about you, maybe, you know, support you with donations or with their volunteerism, and then we'll have to run. Great, thanks. It's McSally4Senate.com, all one word with the F-O-R spelled out. We need all the help we can get. This is going to be the top race in the country. Uh, The balance of the Senate will be at play through Arizona, and the Democrat opponent is uh, a chameleon, but she's a well-funded chameleon, and she's already up on TV, and we've got to fight and unite in order to hold on to this seat and hold on to the Senate majority. So McSally for Senate.com, I'd be grateful for the support. Excellent. Thank you so much again, Representative right. Martha McSally. Bye-bye now. Thanks so much. Bye. All right. Well, stick around. We still have Rhonda Ezel coming right up. Now, she is the co-founder of Chicago Guns Matter, and she went up against 
the city of Chicago to win two federal lawsuits. Very interesting. Stick around. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Thanks for sticking around. You are with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our next guest is Rhonda Easel, the president and co-founder of Chicago Guns Matter. Rhonda was the lead plaintiff in Easel versus City of Chicago. She won two federal lawsuits against the City of Chicago to bring gun ranges, gun ranges to the city for law-abiding citizens. She is a gun rights advocate and a defender of liberty. Welcome to the show, Miss Rhonda. Good morning, Cheryl. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm so excited, and I'm nervous that I've butchered your name like five times already. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. How do you say your last name? Ezel. Ezel. Gotcha. Ezel. All right. I'm saying it like a thing you put a painting on, easel. So I will stop that. <laughs> Rhonda, thanks Ezel. for coming in. My name, this is Dan. How are you doing today? I'm good, Dan. How are you this morning? Thank you guys for having me. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for being here. You know, I'm super excited to find out, how did you do this? How, mm-hmm. did, you, how did you sway this Chicago to allow gun rages? Well, I, I got involved in this movement post-McDonald's. The McDonald versus Chicago case, mm-hmm. which was a case that was filed after the D.C. versus Heller decision. Mm-hmm. Mr. Otis McDonald, along with David and Colleen Lawson, sued the city of Chicago for the right to have a firearm inside of the home. You know, of course, winning their case at the Supreme Court level. So as I was complying with that new ordinance that was on our books at the time, mm-hmm. I I wanted to, you know, I I I was in, I was complying with the new ordinance. Mm-hmm. And I had to call my state organization, the Illinois State Rifle Association, and let them know that all of the hoops that I went through, just trying to comply with the new ordinance, because they stated that you, in order for you to have a, a gun inside your home, you needed to have training, you needed to have live range training, but at the same time, the city of Chicago prohibited gun range. Right. There's the trick of all, so, so much of yeah. these rights restrictors uh, nonsense. You know, it, it was 
it was unreal because as the the McDonald's case, they had fought so hard for the rights, which was one of the cases that started bringing back rights to the city of Chicago. So I'm complying with these rights, and I'm going through a lot of things, and and it was unbelievable. So I said, hey, look, I need to talk to somebody. And I called the Illinois State Rifle Association. We started to discuss the things that I went through, and we came to that conclusion that my rights had been violated and Ezel versus Chicago was born. That's, that's how all of this got started. Wow. You know, and there's so many people that go, you know what, I'm just one person, and this is the whole entire city of Chicago, and it's too complicated, and what can I possibly do? And what what is it about you that you were like, mm, nope, I am one person, and I'm the one person that's going to do something about this? Well, with me, I'm, I'm a fighter. Mm-hmm. So I figured that if we own firearms, we have this right, we are firearm owners, why isn't there a place for us to go and continue our education in firearm safety? Mm-hmm. Which keeps now, everybody safe, right? The, the right, more, more well-trained we are. Correct, exactly. You would want people to go to the ranks to stay efficient, you know, mm-hmm. in the use of their firearms. So I was like, well, I need a place to train. I mean, I don't think that I'm going to be a great shot after one time at a gun range. No one is. If you're complying with the new ordinance to say, I want to protect myself, I want to protect my family and my loved ones, we need a continued place that we can go to continue and further our education. So I was like, hey, when we found out that my rights had been violated, just trying to comply with the ordinance on the books, we decided, let's say, let's take them to court about this. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you are, that I introduced you to was the, the founder and the president of Chicago Guns Matter. So what, what exactly is that group? What is that organization? What do you do? Well, Chicago Guns Matter is an organization made up of pro-gun advocates in and around Chicago. And what we're doing is we want to share with the urban community how to exercise their fundamental constitutional rights to keep and bear arms. Because a lot of people in the city of Chicago aren't aware of their rights. They don't. At at one point in time, they were not getting involved. Mm -hmm. So people are waking up now, but we want to make sure that we can educate them and give them the necessary tools to know what the laws are, who the people are, and, you know, how to get involved and how to start, you know, exercising those rights. Mm-hmm. Rhonda, what, is it, what does it take to own a gun in Chicago right now? Well, of course, you have to have a firearm owner identification card. You must get 16 hours of training with uh, live range fire, and um, you're going to pay your fees, and they'll do your background check, and then you'll get your concealed carry license. So you have to have 15 and hours of range time. and You, you have ha- 16 hours of training total, right? including and range time. Mm, gotcha. And so they just restricted range so that they wouldn't have to give people exactly. firearms. Exactly. So then with Chicago Guns Matter, you're helping people understand their rights. And so then you also right. are involved with something called Faces to the Cases. What is that? What we're doing is it's not a separate entity. What it is is something that I came up with because when you start talking about firearm ownership in the city of Chicago or the state of Illinois, people aren't aware of the individuals who have stood up and put their heads on the chopping block and said that they were going to fight for the rights of all. So I came up with faces to the cases so that we could put a human face to the lawsuit so that the people are aware of the plaintiffs who have fought for their rights. Hmm. I I just want to make sure that the people get the education and knowledge of the history of firearm ownership in the city of Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's so important. I mean, and with all this noise going on with, you know, the high schoolers out there lecturing us about how they're going to change the Constitution that (laughs) 99.999 of them have never even read, right? They don't don't know what it is. what they is haven't that? even taken a test to graduate high school yet. So. Yeah. So there's all this noise out there and it and it 
it just clouds everything up. But as long as the rights restrictors get that that underlying feeling in our stomachs that guns are bad, they're they're wrong for for your life, you know, that kind of thing, then they don't really care what kind of nonsense lies they pile on top of that feeling. And so how is that impacting the things that you're trying to do there in Chicago? Is it causing people to, you know, kind of go, wait a minute, you're not going to tell me what I can and can't do. I'm going to go find out for myself. So is it energizing the things that you're trying to do? Or are you finding that you now have a, a higher hill to climb to get to reason with people? Well, the city of Chicago is a hard nut to crack within itself. Mm. So the fact that the kids are doing what they're doing has no bearing on Chicago, believe me, because we see crime at a high rate each and every day, mm-hmm. each and every weekend. So at the end of the day, it does not affect what I've done at Chicago Guns Matter or what we've done here because we are the plaintiffs. We have fought the cases. The cases have been fought. The cases have been won. The foundation has been laid. That can't be changed. Mm-hmm. So we've done our part, but we see what they're crying about, but nothing that they're asking for does anything to combat violence, especially what we see here or what we deal with here in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So what, as we're about to run out of time, what is next for you what is your next accomplishment you've got your eye on and how do people find out more about chicago guns matter well my main goal at this point my top priority is to bring the first brick and mortar gun range to the city of chicago Mm -hmm. and it's important because we have nearly three million foyer card holders and we have nearly 300,000 concealed carry license holders. But the city of Chicago needs a gun range here. That is my top priority. I will be looking for people who are willing to get involved and support the cause and want to be the one to build that range. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it's needed. It's needed. And if people want to know a little bit more about Chicago Guns Matter, they can go to our website at chicagoguns.matter. Our Facebook is Facebook Bet slash Chicago Guns Matter. Our Twitter is at Shy Guns Matter. Once again, our website is www.chicagogunsmatter.org. Awesome. And that's how they can get in contact with us. Well, thank you for all you do. People like you that have put themselves out there as the front guard of our constitutional, our human, our civil, our women's rights, you are so valuable to us in the work you do and in the example you set for future generations. So Rhonda Ezell, no, I still said it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, Ezell. Ezell, thank you for all you do. And uh, you're also part of the DC project. So I'm gonna be seeing you in Washington DC in about a month, right? Yes, yes, I'm glad that I was invited. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be exciting. All right. Well, thank you again so much. We will be seeing you soon. And we'll check back and see how things are going with Chicago Guns Matter. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Shirley Dan, for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Well, stick around because we still have Stephen Josie waiting in the wings. In 2013, he was arrested and convicted of a felony in New Jersey, facing 10 years in prison for carrying a legal firearm. He has now turned his life around in amazing ways. Stick around, we're gonna talk with Stefan Josie. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. 
fun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Old Town Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at polygoldestate.com. Thanks for being with us today. We are so glad you are with us with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And if you have missed any part of this show, be sure to go to our website for the recording, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On Demands tab and you can binge listen to your heart's content all 110 episodes. And if you want to put a face to a voice, we have a guest tab. Click on that. You'll see pictures and bios and links to books people have written and articles that have been done about our guests. It's just an incredible resource. Spend some time there and get to know the Second Amendment community in ways that you probably never would have otherwise. So our next guest is Stefan Josie. In 2013, Stefan was arrested and convicted of a felony in New Jersey, and he faced 10 years in prison. His crime? Carrying a legally owned firearm. Today, Stefan, who was ultimately pardoned by Governor Chris Christie, is graduating with a nearly 4.0 average from the Maryland Police Academy and with his associate's degree in criminal justice. He has absolutely, in line with our theme today, he has turned his obstacles into a launch pad. Welcome to the show, Stefan. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. We are so excited. My husband Dan's here with us as well. Thank you for coming on the show, uh, Stefan. So what happened? What You got arrested for carrying a legal gun? Yes, sir. In 2013, um, I was pulled over for a minor traffic violation and uh, I let the officer know I did have my firearm in the vehicle and um, they took the firearm, let me go. I gave them all my credentials that went with the firearm as well, let them know that I was working armed security for Loomis at the time and they took the firearm, let me go. They told me to come back in on Monday to square the issue away and when I went in on that Monday, they placed me under arrest and charged me with a a second degree felony which carried a mandatory minimum of five years in prison with a maximum of ten years. So you were licensed to carry a gun in New Jersey with your armed yes. security, and you were in New Jersey, and they arrested you, and they they put you in jail. I was not in jail. They released me on my own recognizance that day, and I just had to appear in court, and I was going back and forth to court, and they pretty much put me in a position to where as though you either plead out or you can take this to trial and face a mandatory minimum of five years in prison due to the Graves Act defense in New Jersey. So you pleaded with them? I took a plea deal because I was scared. You know, sure. I didn't, I've never been right. in trouble before. Sure. And well, they, the system puts you in a position to where you, you know, it's either that or you go to trial and if you're convicted, you have to go to jail, you know? Yes. Right. It costs thousands. But was there just, what was their justification for that? I mean, don't they have to say, you broke the law by doing this? You didn't break a law. Yes. Yeah, I didn't really. I, technically, I didn't. But, you know, being in that position and, you know, being scared, I didn't know what to do. So I took the best option I had available for myself was to take a probationary period deal just so I could be here for my family, you know. And um, 
when that happened, I took the plea deal for, uh, it gave me a year of probation. I pretty much reached out to all my resources that I had and it made to national news. And in six months I turned it around and got a full free pardon and was able to relocate to Maryland. And here I am today. Did they charge you with a felony charge? Yes, sir. I was charged with 2C39-5V, which is an unlawful possession of a firearm. Unbelievable. Your whole life changed there. What did Christie do to, how did he, how'd you get connected with him? Well, I started up a change.org petition and it had about probably 100,000 signatures. Um, I reached out to NJ.com and mm-hmm. when it reached to NJ.com, it was like the biggest story in New Jersey for about two, two to three weeks. It stayed at the top news. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, all the national news, the NRA news, they reached out and I was just doing a lot of, uh, a lot of interviews and it got to attention to where the governor Christie ended up calling me into his office and I sat with his, uh, with his people. And a few months later I was in, ended up issuing a free pardon and I was able to move and fulfill my dream. This is so similar to what happened with Shanine Allen was, were those two yes. things like close in time? I don't remember what uh, Shanine's thing was. Yes, it was. Only thing is with me, I think mine was, it might've been first. Mm-hmm. If not around the same time, but uh, it it was just a nightmare for I, herself and myself. I cannot even imagine, but thank God people could see the injustice. They rallied around you. It caused that pressure to be put on the governor because without that, it, this is such an injustice. And you know, these kinds of things happen every day somewhere in the country because of unjust laws and people misusing the laws that are on their books. I'm just so thankful that you you were able to do what it took to get to the place of of being pardoned. And so this sounds like kind of a silly question because I I imagine it changed you in every conceivable way. Um, But how how did it change you and how did it change your life? Because a lot of people could have gotten bitter, right? They could have gotten shut down. And it sounds like it kind of, you know, made you stand up and go, oh, heck no. Well, it, it changed my life because I pretty much lost everything. You know, I went through my whole savings to, mm. to do this, and I, I pretty much lost everything. I lost my vehicle. I lost I, – I would have been homeless if it wasn't for my family because, you know, I was working. And with this, I, I couldn't find a job because I was convicted felon. Everything – my whole life just went down, down the drain. Mm. And I was just able to stay strong and stay consistent and – fight my way through it you know anybody would have just took it and just sat sat down with it but I just that's not the type of person I am yes you're awesome uh Stefan did Loomis you were working for Loomis at the time did they step in and try to help you at all not at all (laughs) no at first I didn't really you know I kept it I kept it personal because I didn't really want to let my let my job know at first sure but then it came out eventually and, you know, I just, I resigned and then I just went along with myself. I didn't really want to put them in a position to where as though, you know, I just didn't really, I just felt it wasn't necessary for me to do that. I get so that. I just took it, took it the way I wanted to take it and just left and, and fought my way through it. I get that. So what's next for you, Stefan? And with all these lessons you learned and able, you're able to help other people now, what are you going to do with this? Uh, I will continue definitely to be an advocate and, uh, help other people you know help the, help the youth and let them know that there's still a way for you even if you get caught in a in a position to where as though you think you have no hope there's always hope mm-hmm. and just my story itself lets them know that there's hope and just be a good officer and use my discretion to the best of, the best of my ability and use my training to the best of my ability as of right now that's all I can really do and I'm also pursuing my bachelor's my bachelor's degree in uh, forensic science so I'm looking at a few different universities as well while I'm policing the community did your career path change because of this or were you always going to go into law enforcement and criminal justice and i was always going into law enforcement since i was about 18 Mm -hmm. see the thing is new jersey you have like a it's a civil service civil service state so you really can only apply every three years Mm -hmm. so at the time when this whole ordeal happened i was I received a 97.160 on my exam. So I was number one for North Brunswick Police Department when I when I went through this issue. So I had to resign mm. from the uh, resign from the process. And then once I was pardoned in the Middlesex County, they didn't take me because they said, oh, you had a conviction. 
you were pardoned and expunged, but that doesn't matter. So that's what made me leave New Jersey. They wouldn't okay. take me after that. Okay, and that's mm -hmm. how you ended up in Maryland. I gotcha. Well, Stephen, yes, our theme today is obstacles and launch pads, and I look at this as this, this problem that you had. It's a launch pad for you because look at what you're going to be able to do when you're out policing, helping people, and not getting in the same position that that officer put you in. You're going to be able to help people from your lessons. Oh, definitely. You know, it's all about discretion. Officers have a discretion, and you have to be able to use that. Even though we're here to enforce the law, we're also here to correct and counsel. You know, it's not all about just handcuffing an individual. We know the law. Somebody might not know the law. We have laws that are updated and mandated daily, so we need to know that. So not everybody else knows everything that's out there in the book. So that's what we're here to do. We're here to coach and counsel, and I feel as though every officer should use the discretion and correct people's mistakes that's awesome what would you think what would you have wished that officer would have done when you when you got pulled over oh uh, i would say use his discretion if something needed to be something needed to be done then i would say he, he could have done it but the officer did let me go he let me go but i guess when it went to the higher ups the higher ups made that decision it wasn't really the officer's decision because he used his discretion he could have said that okay he he has a he has a firearm. I don't care. I, I'm going to arrest him. They didn't arrest me. They let me go. They believe what everything I said. Everything checked out with the firearm. But when I went to go claim the firearm, that's when I was placed under arrest by the detectives. Mm. So it really wasn't the officers mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. or the sergeants doing. It was really the higher ups in the department. Wow, and it just makes you wonder what what acts were they trying to grind that they would just use a person's life in that way and disrupt everything you were trying to do and it's how did just, they benefit from that that's what i think what, yeah what was the reason it's crazy I mean, and that's that's uh we you know we talk new jersey that's just the way new jersey is that's so awful and so just real quickly because we're about to run out of time um you know off the air we were kind of saying you know what what about the second amendment what about the changes that could come in the country what what could possibly come do you, that you envision that could make changes so that in the future someone like you doesn't end up in the same kind of situation bottom line i believe that every if you have a license to carry it should be honored constitutional carry should be honored throughout the entire country our driver's license aren't regulated between states we can drive if you can drive in one state you can drive in every state mm -hmm. so i believe that your firearm if you're licensed for it you should be able to carry in every state, every state should honor it. It shouldn't be any regulations for that, mm -hmm. and I feel that's not right. Wow. We can drive in every state with a license. You should be able to carry in every state with a license. Every every state should honor it. Amen to that. Well, you are just a private citizen. You you don't have a brand. You don't have a show. You don't have you know that kind of thing. But if there's people that feel like you know they want to reach out to you, do you have a you know a Facebook page or some some public page like that 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 people can connect with you? Yes, it's uh, I have Twitter. It's uh, Stefan L. Josie on Twitter. I have Facebook. It's the same exact thing on Facebook. Instagram is the same exact thing. Everything is pretty much all generic. Very good. And it's S-T-E-F-F-O-N. And Josie, J-O-S-E-Y. Fantastic. Yes, Thank right. you so much. Congratulations on doing so beautifully with your education. We wish you all the best in the future. And we're going to check back with you and just kind of check in every once in a while and see how things are going. How about that? Yes, ma'am. Sounds great. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Stefan Josie. Bye-bye no now. All right. Well, stick around. We still have an entire hour of awesome guests and information for you on Gun Freedom Radio. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. 
Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Hey, this is Lloyd Bailey, the Armed Lutheran, host of the Armed Lutheran radio podcast, reminding you that the podcast you're listening to is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Check out all the great content at selfdefenseradio.net.